0: You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for His purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin
1: Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin,
0: Hey, that's us.
1: Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real-life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world.
0: If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place.
1: Here are your hosts teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends.
0: You're listening to episode number nine of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. These help other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast and Really, it helps us keep going, too, because we need the encouragement. <laughs> so just click review, select ratings and reviews, and write a review, and then let us know what you love about the podcast. Thanks in advance for doing that. We
1: absolutely love your reviews, guys. They are so encouraging to us. For example, Tammy Adams recently said, I'm so incredibly thrilled this blog now has a podcast to listen to in the car. I'm able to catch up and listen and get my broken air and Aaron time in. Thanks, ladies. Uh-huh. Once again, I just feel like that's so kind, isn't
0: it? It's so sweet. Yes, yeah, like Brooke and Erin time. Like, yeah. yeah, I say that about my friends. I'll be like, I need, I mean, need that friend time with them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah, glad that absolutely. people consider that time well spent with us. I think they like us as friends.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for those kind words, Tammy. We appreciate
2: it.
0: Yes. Yeah, so today's episode is for all of the moms who are getting ready to launch their children into the. Real world dun dun, dun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It does feel a little bit daunting, doesn't it? Like there needs to be dramatic music in the background. We've talked about that before, how it'd be really cool if we were sophisticated enough to know how to run equipment that could make noises that are appropriate to go with our podcast.
0: Yeah, I know. I like like the radio show hosts that have like a button that they push and like have the sound effects or the music or whatever to highlight their point. We really needed like a dramatic music button right at yes. that moment. We do. However, in case you haven't figured it out yet, we are not that sophisticated. (laughs)
1: So Maybe one day we'll get there. (laughs) But for today, we're going to talk about launching our children into the world. So Erin, my nephew actually just graduated from high school. It's a week ago today when we're recording this. It's a week ago today. And while I really believe that he's going to do great, like he's just one of those kids that's always been a great kid. You know, he's, he's just kind. The other day he was outside playing wiffle ball and he was with 14 year olds and under, and he's 18 years old and he was out playing wiffle ball with them. Like he's just a great kid. And I, I really think he's going to do a great job in his next season. Um, but the season where our kids leave the shelter of our home to take the next steps, I think it can always have a little bit of fear and scariness to it. I remember the summer after I graduated from high school, like even as the kid in that particular relationship in that particular season, I felt equal parts excited for what was to come, but also scared to death because I knew that there was a new level of responsibility coming for me and it was a little frustrating and overwhelming.
0: And you and I are several years from the time our children will leave our homes. Thank you, Jesus. Um, But we all know time goes by really quickly and it's going to come up faster than we think. So friends, if you are not in this season yet, it is coming (laughs) and there will be valuable info here for you to help you get there with grace.
1: I think that's the, yes, that's the key word. That's what we want today to be about. Like whether you're in the season right now or the season is coming Uh, We want to be able to give you some tools and tips to be able to do this with grace, to look forward, to look ahead, maybe and make some decisions now that will get you there or be able to be in the moment with grace. I think that's what we want to accomplish today. Erin, before we jump into the interview with our guests, though, we wanted to talk for a minute about our free Facebook community for Pray the Word Journal.
0: Yeah, the Pray the Word journal community is actually an open Facebook group for anyone who wants to deepen their prayer life to join. So you don't have to own the Pray the Word journal to be a part of it. That's right. And there are some really cool things happening inside of that group.
1: Daily prayer encouragement. Uh, There's accountability. For those of you who do have Pray the Word Journal, you can get a daily accountability to make sure that you're staying in it and getting everything out of it that you can. Fun relationships are forming in the group, which is great to see. And there's lots of tips for using Pray the Word Journal along the way. I actually just posted a tip this morning myself. So it's, there's so much great stuff that's happening in there, and actually, if you don't own your own journal yet, you can get access to five days of our Wisdom Edition, where we're praying through the Book of Proverbs, absolutely free.
0: Yeah. So my favorite part of that whole group is the accountability thing. Yes. Like, I like having that check in. Like, did did you get it done today? And some people may. Feel like that's kind of like a rule follower thing, like, oh, I had to do it. For me, it's encouraging and motivating. So, whatever you're looking for in a community of like minded women that are praying for their kids, you're going to find in there. For me, it's the accountability. Maybe you need like some advice or some tips, and maybe you just need other moms to talk to about praying for your kids. Like, there's really something for everyone in that group. And to access it, just visit bit.ly forward slash journal community, all lowercase and request to join. Now there's going to be two questions for you to answer before you're approved. And in those questions is the link to the five free days of the journal. So you can just try it out and see what you think for free.
1: Right. And if you can't remember that website, don't worry about it. It'll be in our show notes at
0: millionprayingmoms.com. Erin, let's go ahead and dive into our show for today. Sounds good. Okay. We know many of you listening have just walked through a change in the season your family is in, whether it's graduation from high school or college or some other major life event. We um, just had our uh, boy mom mentor, uh, Gina, went through another wedding in her family. So, you know, there's all sorts of different changes in the season that your family could be in. And Um, whatever it is, it helps to have someone come alongside you who has been there and can help you navigate it with grace. And today we are welcoming Julie Sanders to the podcast to talk about how she and her husband have successfully launched their children. Julie, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. So good to be here with you guys today.
0: Yeah. Tell us about yourself and your family. Well,
2: I am coming to you from the Northwest. We've lived here for four years. We live in southeastern Washington. Um, I've been working, though, in eastern Oregon, and today is a bit of a launch for me as I wrap up what I've been doing there. I've been working with children um, birth to five and their families, and Jeff and I have two children, and our um, youngest just graduated from college, and he's here just temporarily before he launches in a new way, and then our daughter, Johanna, came back to us um, after college for just a couple of years. She is a kindergarten teacher, and she's about to launch to a new state and city, And uh, we are here working with Bethel Church in Richland, Washington. Jeff is the Director of Global Outreach and Spiritual Formation. So um, we came out to the Northwest and have loved what we found here as a family. It's been beautiful.
0: Yeah. God bless the kindergarten teachers. They're like (laughs) some of my favorite people in the world. I was an elementary music teacher, and I just always thought, God, kindergarten teachers are just like some of the calmest, Uh like – most loving, most wonderful people in the world. And I found that with my own kids, kindergarten teachers too, you know, like I just love kindergarten teachers. So I love that that's what your daughter's doing. Yeah. I love
1: that too. Actually, I remember my kindergarten teacher really being that way. And here's a funny story about my kindergarten teacher. We went to, our my son's high school had a talent show uh, several months before the end of, of school. And we were there and he was performing, And my kindergarten teacher walked in and sat down right across the row from me. She wasn't in the chair next to me, but right across the row in the, in the seats. And I looked at her and I said, hi, Mrs. Sullivan. And she looked at me and she said, sweetheart, you can call me Jennifer now. (laughs) I just thought that was great. Like, you know, I'm 41 years old and I finally get permission to talk to my kindergarten teacher and call her by her first name. So that was lots of fun. Julie, you have uh, the gift of time and perspective, clearly. Your children are older than mine or Aaron's, and we really want to glean from your wisdom today. So you've been through already what some of us are only just starting to think about, or maybe some of us are going through right now as our kids have maybe graduated from high school or college and are really getting ready to go out into a new season of life. As you look back, what are some of the things you did throughout the years that you feel really helped prepare you for the season of launching?
2: Such a good question. And actually, my husband and I laid in bed last night and talked about this. And the first thing that Jeff said was, he said, what did we do to prepare I don't know if there is anything you can do to prepare because we cried like babies when our oldest, when our first left home. And that's true. I mean, we all remember the moment. Um, it's etched in our memory as a family, but there were things that we did to prepare. And I would say that looking back now, 25 years ago, And even in working with young families recently, I realize now that really a successful launch and the quality of your launch begins in the early years. And really, even how you parent your toddlers sets your children up for a healthy launch and it sets you as a mom up for a healthy launch. So one thing that we did is I would say that I listened to older mentors, and especially as I felt the launch coming, as I could, like you all just said, you know that there's a certain number of years, it's out there on your horizon, and so I sought out people who had already been through that Um, that transition to ask them what they had learned and they shared and it was good for for me to listen it was also good I think for them to share and I also um, really tried to be thoughtful about making sure that our kids had experience with people inside and outside of our home because it really wasn't the information or the knowledge that determined the quality of their launch it was their ability to navigate people and so that was really important that they had have lots of people experience. Um, and I think one thing that one of my mentors told me, she said, as your children come to you during their launch season and they start to talk through their options and their thinking, they're going to tell you some things that you don't expect, even sometimes things that you don't like. And um, she said, I want you to look at me and I want you to repeat after me. Say, that's so exciting, and I remember <laughs> we laughed about that, but then whenever my kids launched, and the moment came when I felt like this this sense of uncertainty and fear and this sense that, oh no, I'm not in control anymore. I can't cancel this play date, and her voice came back to me, and i I heard myself saying that's so exciting. (laughs) And I've done that through the years. And that's been great, great advice.
1: I love that. It's almost like you're choosing in that moment to reframe that difficult uh, moment that you have and look at it from a positive perspective. And I think that's so important for all of life, really, just not even as you're launching your kids, but in any difficult moment that you have as a parent, if you could choose to look at that from that perspective and say, this is good, this can be good, this is a teaching moment, this is a learning moment, those kind of things. But it's, it's hard sometimes to do that in the moment.
2: And it's almost good, I think, to think ahead about that and determine that rather than ever being the restrainer of your child's opportunities to learn and grow, that you will be prepared to lift them up. In their time of launch so just that simple phrase um, having having that in my mind in my heart was actually really helpful and then of course I think um, just habits of prayer um, of course we know that that's really important to us here at million praying moms but really establishing habits of prayer in my own heart was the most powerful thing that I did to prepare for the season of launch
0: and I have to say so um, you mentioned the whole having mentor moms or moms that have been there or are like in the season that I'm in, or even when I had toddlers or had elementary school age kids or any of that, um, having moms that were further along in the journey actually helped me to not be as scared about them getting older and, and launching. And, um, like I would say that is one of the biggest, um, the biggest things that has made me not afraid of when they do leave home because I've watched my friends do it. I have watched my friends have their kids leave home, get married, have kids even. Like I have friends that are at that stage of life and it doesn't look as scary as I thought it would be. And if we don't have that perspective, if we're only friends with people that have kids the same age and stage – it's going to seem scary because you have no idea what it looks like. So I love that for both the advice, getting advice from the mentor moms, like a phrase to use or, or how to, how to think about those changes, but also just to watch them and to see that it's going to be okay and that things will happen that you can't control and it's all right and it will be okay. And God's got it all in his hands. So I love that, that, advice of having someone as a mentor mom for so many reasons. So thank you for sharing that in there. So, okay. As you've approached the season, when your first child was getting ready to launch, you said, you guys cried and cried, you know, like this is, it's not going to be unemotional even (laughs) if you're prepared for it. Right. Yes. Absolutely. So, So even as you're getting to that season, what were some of your goals? as you were about to launch that first child, for yourself, for your child, for your family? Like, how were you thinking about that season and what were your goals for getting through it?
2: You're so right that there are going to be feelings. I think um, everyone's going to have some feelings and each person in the family will have some feelings. So it's helpful to really talk about those, but I, I like the word goals because rather than just staying in a place of the feeling that you have, you're actually realizing that like all other things, God is using a transition in your life for your good. And so you're not meant to stay static in a feeling. So when we were launching our first um, there were several real truths. And I think um, one was that it was really important for us to think through and talk through with her how she would be fed truth consistently. And as we even helped her chart her path, explore her options, and then make decisions and support her in that, we, we really prioritized how would she be fed truth And then I think related to that is we wanted to set her up and prepare her for choosing totally apart from us whenever we were not part of the equation, choosing and cultivating solid friendships because we know how much, especially in that stage developmentally, her friendships were going to be such an influence on her and then third we wanted to really set her up for thinking independently about how do you seek god's guidance in your decision making Because we knew that as she launched into that new season, she would be moving to the next level of independent decision-making. And that's where, I mean, kids do that all throughout life, but whenever they leave home or when they graduate from high school especially, that is a a really significant shift in terms of decision-making.
1: I really love that you said that, Julie, because I think so often as parents, we're worried about the environmental choices that they have, the practical choices that they have, what are your classes going to be, how are you going to reach your goals, what do you need to be a part of when you're in college that's going to get you where you want to go in life, you know, what career are you going to choose, Um, those kind of decisions, and it's not that those are not important, they are definitely important, and as parents, you know, we hope that when we get to that especially if we're paying for college, right? That, <laughs> that we'll have some influence over that. But what you've just said, what I've heard you say is that preparing them spiritually is more important than those things. It's not that those things are not important. I want to be clear, but that her ability to seek out the Lord on her own, her ability to um, seek out godly friendships or recognize Influences that may not be what she wants, or that may be taking her down the wrong, the wrong path, um, helping her understand how important it is for her to not be relying on you guys all the time to pour truth into her life. Because, as parents, there is definitely that season where we are the you know, some of the main truth-tellers in their lives, and, and, you know, as a grown, as, a, as an adult, my parents are still in that role in, in a lot of ways, and I'm blessed by that, um, but we really need to help them own it for themselves, and I love that you placed the emphasis there, because I feel like if that is the emphasis, then all those other things that seem so important and so, you know, can create so much worry and frustration, um, they just kind of fall into place
2: yes absolutely and that's where you really start to cultivate and equip your children to have those skills even whenever they're little so those those early life launches actually become the foundation on which the the later launches happen and we find that as our children launch we launch too and mm-hmm. and that's part of what stirs up the the changes in our relationships and and right. that can be challenging and really, it really it is and i like that you've said
1: that even the small decisions that our kids make when they're still in our home are important to the way that they will launch later on. So for example, last year, my, my son started high school and we start high school in the eighth grade here. So um, he'll be in the ninth grade this year, but he had the opportunity to, and this seems like such a small thing, but I think it's a good example. He had the opportunity to decide for himself whether or not he would play football. And he loves, he loves it. He wanted to play. He felt like it would be, it was a new school for him. And so he felt like it would be a way for him to have an immediate peer group and get to know people right away. But at the same time, academically, he knew that he would potentially be much more challenged in this new school than he had been before. And, and ultimately it was just a new situation. We really didn't know how he would be challenged and in what ways he would be challenged. And so my husband and I decided that, you know, as a, as a teenager at that point, and as someone who was starting high school, that we would lay out the pros and cons for him Of each decision. Here's all the good things about playing football. Here's all the things that it could impact or all the ways that it could impact us, not just you, but our family negatively. But in the end, you make the decision and dad and I will support whatever you want to do. And we felt like he was old enough at that point to make that decision. Now, for my younger son, who was uh, 11 at the beginning of, of that year, we just flat out told him, you're not playing football this year. <laughs> so it's a little bit different. But at 14 or almost 14 years old, we felt like he could make that decision. And in the end, he decided not to play football. And I think it was a really great decision. Had my husband and I made the decision for him, that's what we would have chosen. And believe me, it's not because we're against kids playing football. We love football in our family. But we just didn't feel like it was the right thing at that time but we felt like it was important enough in his life in that moment that he needed to own it. He needed to take ownership of that choice. And so that's why we let him do it. So it's those little things like that along the way, being able to to recognize as a parent when it's important for you to allow your child to make a decision and then live with whatever the consequences are of those decisions and help them through the consequences of those decisions. But Um, I can see as you're talking how important that is to the the ultimate launching of them into the world.
2: And it really sets them up so that when they've launched, they feel like, I can do this. I can figure this out. I will be okay. And, um, and we want to be needed. We will be needed in different ways as our children move through those launching seasons, but we want them to know that they can live independently and interdependently and that they'll be all right. So I think that's a great example of setting them up to learn that lesson early. Yeah. So talk to us
1: then about how your relationship with your first born, your first launched child, how did it change? How did that relationship with her change after the launching season was over? Give us the good and the bad and maybe what you guys learned from both.
2: Well, as Jeff and I chatted about this last night, um, he was saying, he said, you know, you have to realize that sometimes one or both of you will experience emotions more intensely than the other. And you may not always identify with exactly why, but it's good to recognize that those waves of feelings will come because you're just trying to navigate your way through really a new way of life that's been imposed on you by the launching season. And I think one other thing that we realize that sometimes other life circumstances will press in on the intensity of the launch transition. And for us, that was the case. Um, Just a couple of years into our firstborn's college experience, we moved to the West Coast. That was a huge change. And so it's it's hard to separate the two, and as I looked back on this, I thought probably the first word that came to, came to my mind, um, Johanna and I have been very close, but I experienced some real loss, and I think it was important, and Jeff pointed this out as we talked, it was really important not to impose a sense of guilt on that child, or take away from really what is a natural and an exciting um, part of their growth and their maturity as God planned it. And so I think, you know, I had to be really mindful of not making her feel worried about me that wasn't okay and so even though I was working through just a sense of grieving some of the the you know we didn't have as much time together other people were moving into her life in significant ways and so it was important for me to have a chance to process that which goes back to those mentor friends and also goes back to um, something else that I think is really important and that is just um, the intimacy of the relationship with my husband recognizing that sometimes during those early child Bearing and child raising years, sometimes our children move in to the place that our husband should have in our heart. And if that's been an issue, it will likely come up during the launch season. And so you really have to cultivate and feed a healthy connection with your husband. And so I would say that takes me to learning. Most of the change with relationship in our launch season, then from um, home to high, from high school to college and then college to life has been really about learning. And that's really figuring out, so when your child doesn't live with you, what's the frequency of communication that you both need? And that's not all driven by mom. That's not all, mm, I wanna talk to you in the morning and I wanna talk to you at night. (laughs) That's probably not gonna work. Um, and also length of time. And sometimes I think I wanna make a big pot of coffee and have a long chat with my kids, but they might only have five minutes to touch base. And so I've got to adjust my expectations to really make the most of that. And I've also got to adjust in terms of mode. And some of um, my kids' communications with me, and it's different, boy and girl, and first and second, I want them to stay in touch, so I've got to adjust how that looks. I've got to receive the way that works for them during their launch. And then when I have times with them, I've got to be really intentional about going deep. And especially if your kids are um, far away, if they're out of town, it's been harder with our distance because we ended up far from our kids during college. And funny, funny story, our second child actually talked about coming to college on the West Coast. And I said, no way, that's too far. So then he decided to go to college in the Midwest and we moved to the West Coast. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like God was just working to just transition our relationship. So be intentional about going deep and learn what that looks like on both ends. What I hear you
1: saying, Julie, is that more than maybe anything else, there needs to be a change or at least a, a fluidity, an openness to the expectations that you have for your children and your relationship in that time. And that really there needs to be an uh, adaptability. Like it's not that you're not in the driver's seat anymore. You don't get, you don't have the right to demand certain kinds or certain amounts of attention from them because it really isn't about you at that point. It really is never about us, right? But even more so in that season, it's not about you. And, and I, I think that's an important thing for parents who are used to being in the driver's seat all the time um, to just be able to recognize you're actually you know, potentially damaging the relationship if you continue to force expectations on them that they can't meet in that season.
2: It's such an important insight because how we behave in the launch determines the quality of the relationship after the launch because your relationship will change during the launch season. It will move more of from more of what you just described where you are in the driver's seat, but then you really do shift to being more of friends and you want that friendship quality to be really sweet. I mean, I will admit I have had flashbacks during the launch time of thinking, man, I just miss those days when I could strap them into the toddler seat in the back car and I could drive them where I wanted to go. I gave them the snack I wanted them to have. Have. And I put on the music I wanted them to hear, but now our relationship has really shifted, and there's a new sweetness. But you're completely right that you have to let go and really shift your expectations.
0: And there's a lot of balance involved as well because you want them to know that you miss them and that you value them, but you don't want to swing so far towards that that you're feeling that you're putting guilt on them, that you're making them sad for you, that you're that you're causing them to worry and do that. And also, like, for those parents that are in that season of launching and are missing their kids, it could swing back the other way because my mom and I talk more now than (laughs) ever, you know. Once you have kids and you want to talk to your mom or, you know, things like that. Um, So it's really, it's, like you said, it's fluid, it's never just going to stay like once they launch, it's always going to be like this certain way. Like it's going to change and you have to be aware of their needs at the time and communicating your needs as well. And, um, and just watching that change and shift as, as life happens for them.
2: Yes, that's really, I think important because we our relationship continues to grow as our children's children grow, and it's not going to look the same and that's okay. And I think for us, we've kind of had to back and forth reciprocate teaching one another because our kids don't understand how we're feeling. They don't understand why it's hard for us to let go. And we also, although we've been through that season ourselves, um, we don't necessarily know how it feels for them at this time and place. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important, I think, to approach each other with humility, trying to really teach one another what we're thinking and to art- put into words, articulate what's really going through your mind and your heart right now and how can I help you in that. And when it goes both ways, it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah.
0: So we're going through like this mini launching season this summer with one kid going to camp, staying overnight for a whole week and having the other two left at home for a week. And it'll be a different kid every week for the next three weeks. So that had me thinking about the whole family dynamic once a child leaves. And right now our family dynamic is very different with my oldest son gone. Next week, it'll be really different with the middle one. And then the last week, it'll be the youngest one gone. It changes a lot to have a family member missing. So, how did not having that child in your home a little more permanently affect the members that were still at home? And, like, how did you get through that? How did you adjust?
2: Uh, I think one one thing that we did that was helpful is we did talk about what we were thinking and how we were feeling. You know, the elephant is already in the room because there's a big empty space where your child was. And so we did talk about it and that helped us to process it. Um, but I also remember feeling like not everybody wanted to process and talk about it in the same way. And especially our younger child, He didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, And so to understand how he was feeling, I needed to do a lot of observing and watching and thinking and praying and it did impact each one of us in different ways, and um, we were not all necessarily as mi- as mindful as we could have been when it was happening. Some of the impact, I think, we, we learned or we understood in hindsight, um, but one of the benefits, I think, about having um, one child or multiple children out and some back home is that you do have some time to really um, set aside and focus on the relationship with the one who's with you. And that has been some really sweet time for us. That we're, it's not maybe everybody's not here, but we're really being intentional about who is here. And that we're also showing the one who's here how we still care and pray for the one who's not here. And that's also really powerful. Um, it also stretches us to think about how do I communicate and how do I still be a part of this? This the one who's launched their life in a different way. For me, as a writer, um, I did a lot of writing. Did a lot of writing cards, writing letters, writing emails, sending texts, so that it was there for them when it was good for them to read it. Uh, We just moved Jacob out of his college room, and I was surprised to find that he had saved a lot of those. So we really do have to be intentional. And then, you know, it gives us a chance to do maybe a lot of coffee dates, one-on-one coffee dates with the one who's home. And I think it also gives us a chance to do some coffee dates with our husband. Um, That new availability Um, is really important. You have to acquire really new ways of spending time together because you're not all there like watching a soccer game together. You're not all there talking about the kids' day. And so it will change your relationship with your husband. And you really have to think, how am I going to take advantage of that adjustment? This stage of life will pass into a natural rhythm. And you want that time with your husband um, to be healthy and you want it to really be important. And so you have to think and be really aware about um, making yourself available and being all in with your relationship with your husband and your time with him, not going out to coffee with your husband, but spending your whole time thinking about, I wonder if the kids are okay tonight. I wonder if they're out with their friends. I wonder what they're doing. I just wish we were home all together. (laughs) That's not healthy for your kids. It's not healthy for you. And it's not going to help that intimacy with your husband.
1: That's a great, great point, Julie. I think, you know, as, as two moms, that are still very much in the thick of things with our kids. It's a, it's a word of caution. It's a word of wisdom. It's, you know, it's so important, not only for your, not only just for the sake of your relationship with your spouse, but also what you're teaching your children about their future relationship with their spouses that, you know, you're, you know, you're communicating to your kid. You're actually not the center of my world. You're actually not, the, you know, everything in this home does not revolve around you. Um, it's important for them to see that the the main relationship, uh, main human to human relationship in the home is of importance to you. And making it a priority now, I think sets us up for success in the future. And I love that. As you were talking about some of the things that you were doing for your children, like writing notes and and, um, you know, sending emails or texts or whatever, I was kind of having a flashback to some of the things that my parents did for me when I was in college and in grad school. And even now, there there are habits and patterns that we started when I went to college that have actually extended, and I'm not even gonna mention how long ago that was now, but (laughs) um, that have extended into, you know, I'm 41 and we still do some of these things. One of the things that I loved the most that my parents did. I only went to school about 30 minutes away from home. Uh, my, my undergraduate experience was very close. And I could go home anytime I wanted to. And I appreciated that about my experience. It was what was right for me. But my parents would still come once a week. They would come on a night that it worked for me. We kind of had a standing night. Uh, and they would pick me up at the dorm and they would take me out to eat at Applebee's. That's what we did. Every single week, we had this standing date. They would come pick me up and take me, and we would just visit. And you know, sometimes my brother, he lived over in the same area. I have an older brother. Sometimes he would join us. But a lot of times, it was just me and them. And it was this really special time. We would laugh together. We would talk about what was going on in my life um, at the time. And uh, it's something that we've continued to do after we, uh, after my husband and I got married, and we moved about an hour away from home. Uh, my parents would still, and when we started having children, my parents still drove once a week. They would drive to us an hour and 15 minutes away, take us out to dinner. We would talk and laugh and have fun. And then they would go back home and they still do that today. My father is 83 years old and he still takes us out to dinner once a a week. And he drives 45 minutes with my mom, of course, to go take my brother out to dinner uh, or out to lunch once a week. So Like there has been this element of them coming to us in a way that worked for us, which I think was really important for a strong foundation. They weren't demanding of every second of our time. They didn't demand that we, you know, call every night or those kind of things. They just, we had a time that was set apart that worked for us it was all about that relationship. And that served us really well over the years. And I like that. So you've shared a lot of practical tips already, but are there any others, any other practical tips for launching well that you could offer to our listeners that they can tuck into their tool belt as they're getting ready for this?
2: I can think of several, and um, as I said, Jacob has just graduated from college, our daughter Johanna is moving to a new state and city um, where she'll continue to teach. Um, So we're launching once again in a different way. And so I think, as I said before, launching is really an ongoing part of life. It just looks a little different. So I feel like these tips that I've I've thought about really have served me well through all of life. And so I think the first one is um, you are moving into a new phase, A launch means you're moving into a new phase and you will grow into a new normal. You will grow into a new comfort level, specifically when your children move from your home into young adulthood, it will morph into a friendship. And so what you do in the launch really sets you up for the quality of the next phase of your life as a family. And so think about that. Um, I, I know in our stage right now, our children really need more guidance, wisdom, and support rather than authority and direction. And so we're, we're moving into a new phase. Um, and because of that, I would say my next and probably um, second most important tip would be um, be prepared to release your children to God's path for them. I decided early on that I never wanted to be the reason that my children would be reluctant to pursue God's path for them. And it kind of goes back to what my what my girlfriend told me, that when your child comes and, and throws out this really big opportunity that God has put in their life, and, and you hear that God is gonna do something that might even from a mom's heart sound scary, that you need to be prepared to say, that's so exciting. (laughs) Just go ahead and say it. Yes. (laughs) Your heart in that direction, because he's still doing that with me. So be prepared to release your child to God's path for them. And you can trust him to take care of your children where you won't be. And then I think that takes me to to my last tip, and it's one that I know is shared by all of our hearts, and that is that prayer will go with your child through every season of launching, and I've seen that. We talked about my daughter teaches kindergarten. I've been working with birth to five programs, so kiddos going to preschool, Um, and then, you know, you said, Brooke, yours has just moved to, you know, eighth grade from middle school. Then we're talking about high school to graduation or um, college or work life, in every season of launching, prayer goes with them. And it is the most important thing we can do for our children. And it gives them confidence. When they leave, you are not out of their life. I'm about to feel like I'm out of my, my son Jacob's life. We're actually going to be very far from him. But he knows that we will be praying constantly. And even if technology doesn't allow us to be in touch or time zones we will pray. And, and prayer really um, surpasses every, every barrier that a season might bring. So cultivate that now. Um, That's why the pray the word journal is such a fantastic tool because it sets us up for really what matters
0: most in a, in a healthy launch. That is so beautiful. And when you're doing that now your kid and they see you doing it, like that's a tangible way for them to be like, oh, she didn't just say she's going to pray for me. Like they see them see you doing that on a regular basis. And that is cemented in their mind of this is how my mom or mom or dad love me enough to pray for me like that. And that is really, really beautiful. Um, And such a good reminder that we need to let go and let them into God's hands. And the best way to do that is through prayer. So those things go right hand in hand. Well, on that note, that's the perfect segue to this. We always like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share one verse or passage from the Bible that they are currently praying for their children. So do you have anything to share for us on that?
2: Yes, I do. Um, And this is not meant to be a commercial at all, but I just have to say that I mean, the pray the word journal has been so timely for me this spring, because um, both of my kids have been at this place of decision. What does the next launch look like? And then, as I said, you know, today is my last day of a job that I've been in, and so I'm looking at a launch. And so, as I've worked through Daniel. There's been so many powerful scriptures. And so this is the prayer that I've been praying for them. It's from Psalm 78, um, verses 6 and 7. It was day 22. And it says that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I'm not going to be where either of my children are going next." And I will continue to be a meaningful part of their life. I will be intentional to make that happen. And I know that God is honored by it. And I know they need me. (laughs) And so I will definitely be part of their life, but it's going to need to look different. And I just most of all really am praying that they will set their hope in God and not forget his works in their life. That will go with them and that will stay with them. And that is my prayer for them.
1: Mm, That's so beautiful. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can keep up with you online.
2: Well, um, it's just like everything in my life is launching right now. So I'm actually refreshing my online home. It's juliesanders.org. If you go there, you'll see that, um, that it's being redone this summer. So I'm excited about that fresh launch coming up in July. And that's the best place to find me. And I'm working on a project too this summer. Um, a prayer project to help moms specifically pray for kids as they launch into school settings um, of any kind because we know that people school in lots of different ways so they can find me at juliesanders.org
0: Perfect. Well, that's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show, including how to get in touch with Julie in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. And don't forget to download your free five-day trial of Pray the Word Journal at bit.ly forward slash journal community.